Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there, it's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Divorce Sucks Podcast. I'm Laura Wasser, and this is the Sunny Side Up Report. I'm here with my friend and cohort, <laughs> Johnny Rains. And the Sunny Side Up Report is when Johnny and I kind of delve into all things divorce, breakup, next chapters that have happened throughout the past week, online, and in the news. And I love this article. I I think it only came out over the weekend, but it was great. It's from SheKnows.com yes. by Claire Gillespie, and it's seven movies and TV shows that tackle divorce and get it right. And I really agreed with it. There are no social scripts for divorce, certified divorce coach and licensed family psychotherapist Catherine Blake tells She Knows. There are numerous socially accepted narratives for falling in love, getting your dream job, having a baby, but none for divorce. Divorce is a messy journey riddled with self-doubt, anxiety, and fear. People may isolate and feel shame that they are winging it. They often don't know the words to communicate their experience to others. So she says this is when seeing divorce depicted honestly and accurately and sensitively is helpful. And as you know, Johnny, through our evolution of disillusion, yes. it's over easy, the public speaking I do, and of course the Divorce Sex podcast, we're trying to bring this level of discussion and evolution to the forefront so that people have a better understanding and approach divorce a little bit differently. The movies and TV shows that are cited in this, I, I've i seen or, or, or watched most of them, and I think that she really is right. You want to talk about a few of them? Yeah, I'd love to. And, and though she says that divorce is riddled with self-doubt, anxiety, fear, and grief, it certainly is entertaining. Like, for example, HBO's Divorce, starring Sarah Jessica Parker and Thomas Hayden Church, which is a brilliant show and is coming back for its next season, I think, next month. One of my favorites is Grace and Frankie, no, because love this that is show. two couples that They've known each other forever. They've been together for a long time. And then the two husbands who are partners at a law firm, spoiler <laughs> alert, get together and they become partners. And so it's about Grace and Frankie, who are the wives who are in there. I got to say, late 60s, early 70s. At and, least. and it's really, I mean, it's very realistic. And hilarious, too. They, they somehow find the humor in the situation. Yes. 
Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce I wanted to mention because actually not only is Paul Adelstein, who was in it and one of the, I think, writers, producers, a friend of mine, our kids go to school together, and he's wonderful, but the series itself, Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, was started by Vicki Iovine, and I worked with Jimmy and Vicki on their divorce, and it was such, she did Girlfriend's Guide to Pregnancy, then Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, and she was brilliant, it was brilliant, that's why I think this series has been so successful. Absolutely. My absolute favorite, and then we can move on, but I just can't stop talking about these movies that depict so much of what I do in real life is right. The Squid and the Whale. This is a 2006 feature starring Laura Linney and Jeff Daniels, and it's it was kind of the story of my growing up. Mm. And it and it is actually the story, I believe, to a certain extent, of Noah Baumbach, who's the writer-director of his experience. And I, I think most people know that he has in the can now maybe the follow-up to this, and I don't even know what it's called yet, but you've got Scarlett Johansson, Laura Dern, Adam Driver, mm-hmm. to name a few that star in this movie about divorce. And it's, it's I, I, I'm anxiously awaiting seeing it and perhaps having Noah and some of the cast members on the podcast when great. it happens. Yeah, I'm totally psyched. But Squid yeah. and the Whale, if you haven't seen it, it's it's pretty damn good. Also, The New Adventures of Old Christine, which is an old yeah. series that, uh, just a shout out to Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who is actually now in her last season of Veep. The New Adventures of Old Christine w- aired on CBS. It was a fun, lighthearted look at divorce, and it was one of my favorite And Clark shows. Gregg's in it, too. Yeah. I mean, it's that. Uh, you're right. That's a really good one. <laughs> Next, yes. Katy Perry's quotes about marriage and divorce reveal so much about her. This is from hmm. Elite Daily. Sarah Ellis it's a timeline of Katy Perry's notable quotes about love's lost and found. I don't know if these really reveal that much about her if, or if this was just clickbait. But, you know, one of the quotes that I, I liked that she said uh, to Vogue in 2017 is, I've learned a lot of lessons, patience, the art of saying no, that everything doesn't have to end in marriage. I think my favorite is this. There were two weeks of my life after I found out the truth of my marriage where I was like, okay, all right, I can't feel this. It's too intense right now. I was like just eating flaming Hot Cheetos and drinking, and that's it. <laughs> well, so things are – so she was married to Russell Brand. Yes. And now she's engaged to Orlando Bloom. Which that to me is great news because he's such a nice young man and he's got a really great heart. He he's a nice him. young man? What are you, an 80-year-old woman? <laughs> White woman, by the way. Okay. No, but he's, he's a good guy. He's really philanthropic. Do you know him? Well. A little? <laughs> let's not talk about it on air. Okay. Let's not. All right, this is definitely one of your stories. I don't even know who this person is. Uh, 90 Day Fiance star Larissa and her new man debut at her divorce party. What do you mean you don't know who Larissa is from 90 Day Fiance? Uh, is 90 Day Fiance a show? It's a reality show. That's, and Larissa's on the show? She is. and she's have, But she's got a new man. She Well, yes. Was the b- new before, man? Before the new man, she got engaged and married on this show. That's the, the, the premise of oh, the wait. show. Oh, wait. It gets better because guess where the divorce party was? It's ridiculous. At the Crazy Horse <laughs> Three Gentlemen's Club in Las Vegas. Hmm. I don't know if that's the best place to have a party. A divorce party? Well, maybe it is. Do, is there anything else we need to say about this? Well, Larissa... Is she getting married to the guy that she met on 90 Day Fiance? 
she already is married to him. Now she's, she's divorcing him, him, and she met another guy. Yes, this uh, young man named Colt. Larissa's ex also. It's funny that Colt had a party at the Crazy Horse. <laughs> These people, I know, it's just uh, uh, must the only, see. The TV. only thing that's surprising to me is we're still talking about it. Next, okay, <laughs> preparing for divorce. California may be cracking down on deadbeat parents. Actually. Um, by Lamore Abrams, CBS oh, Sacramento, a proposed California law would put deadbeat parents on a website. So this is interesting. Um, I hadn't actually heard about this until I saw the article. So clearly I'm right on the cutting edge of everything happening in California. Um, I'm just find, trying to find a way to have him pay child support, Jessica Wilson said. Family court is the last place she wanted to be, but she says her boy's father owes them thousands of dollars in child support, and it's money they need for simple essentials such as jackets since the boys are outgrowing the ones they already have. So putting this on a website, kind of like um, you know the, the sex uh, offender's right, right, website, right. would be a way to maybe shame parents I mean, into paying idea. support. But the problem is... Yeah. Assemblyman Tom Lackey, Republican, is pushing the proposal. He says the purpose is not to shame moms or dads, but to shake them up. And Lackey says that peer pressure works. The problem is that these people's children can see on there that they don't pay support. Children's friends, parents, and the teachers. And the other thing about this, though, that that came up in my mind is, though I do feel, feel compassion for this mom who didn't want to go to court, but yet she's in court trying to get this back child support, but... Why is it that so many people like don't they have kids and they don't realize that they have to pay for them? I don't know. I don't get I that. I just realized I had to pay for my kids too. No, but I, I think the shaming, the public shaming thing, I get the point, but I have to say it with regard to parenting, yeah. probably not a great idea. Figure it out. I agree. I'm sure this yeah. lady's spending a lot of time and energy in court that she could maybe put into something else. Finding another job to buy those kids those jackets. The jackets, exactly. Um, finally, from Forbes.com, preparing for divorce, first get organized. Who's this by, Donnie? This is by Catherine Schnaubelt. Oh, my God. How do you spell that? S-C-H-N-A-U-B-E-L-T, Schnaubelt. Got it. So it, she she tells us, and again, this I, I like this article because it was very cut and dry. Yes. She gives us some steps. You're going to take inventory. You're going to organize your documents. You're going to classify all assets. And I think that's how you get things in order to start the process, whether you're going to see attorneys, whether you're going to see a mediator, whether you're going online to a website like It's Over Easy. Get your shit together. Absolutely. It's interesting. As she goes deeper in this article, it reminds me so much of the way you've broken It's Over Easy down. What you have, what you owe, what you make, what you spend. And that's what another great thing about It's Over Easy is that it helps you to get organized and to move through your divorce step by step. And today on the Divorce Sucks podcast, we're going to hear from Gabrielle Hartley, who gives us some other great pointers for next steps in a better apart the Radically Positive Way to Separate, a book that she's written with Elena Brower and is available now on Amazon and other lovely booksellers near you. So listen up, guys. In seeking a lawyer, you're looking for an advocate, an expert advisor on the law and on your rights and responsibilities, a strategist, a negotiator, and a litigator. But remember, no lawyer is as invested as you are in the outcome of your case, so it is necessary to become involved in the process. That is also the best help you provide your lawyer. 
On the other hand, you and your soon-to-be ex can do it yourselves. And by doing so in states like California, you can stay out of court and keep more money in your bank account. Whichever decision you make, taking action that is thoughtful with an eye on what's best for yours and if you have them, your kids' futures is advised. Our guest today is the co-author of the new book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. Her article, How to Divorce, Five Things You Should Try, on our Insights blog on itsovereasy.com, is one of the most popular reads this month. And in addition to being a writer, she's also an attorney, a divorce coach, and a mediator who is known for her unique, non-toxic approach to divorce. She's an attorney in New York State and a member of the New York City Association of the Bar, She's an expert on New York matrimonial law and a member of the Massachusetts Council on Family Mediation. Gabrielle Hartley, Esquire, welcome to Divorce Sucks. Thank you so much, Laura. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I, I was saying to you offline that I'm sitting here with your book that you sent me in January in front of me. I've, I've read it and um, I love it. And I want you to tell, before we get into your background, tell our listeners a little bit about why you decided to write it. So, um, you know, that actually encapsulates some of my background, Laura. Um, I grew up with parents who divorced when I was nine and my brother was six, and they had a shared custody arrangement before that was even a thing. Right. And so many of my friends' parents were always marveling at how well-adjusted and happy I was and my brother was, despite my circumstances. Right. And um, my parents were kind of like braggy about how wonderfully they divorced, and I didn't actually think they were that amazing until... I went and I clerked for Judge Jeffrey Sunshine, who is the chief administrative matrimonial court judge in the state of New York. And um, I saw how horribly people treated each other up close and personally. And I realized that maybe my parents had done some things right. So now, dial back, I grew up with my parents were kind of very educated hippies. And we did a lot of yoga in the 70s in the Berkshires and in New York City. And in my 20s, I refound yoga. And the whole idea of being grounded and settled in your skin and in into who you are, regardless of what's going on in the swirl around you, really spoke very strongly to me. And I really wanted to write a book where I could go beyond just the clients that I meet with one-on-one and give permission from my professional and personal experiences to, you know, masses of people to know that the, the negative parts of the divorce do not need to and should not define you and you can transcend and re-narrate your internal story so that moving forward, you can welcome a beautiful rest of your life. Totally agree. By the way, so Jeffrey Sunshine is uh, my friend Judy Poehler, who is one of our ambassadors on It's Over Easy, has been absolutely amazing in terms of helping us um, work on it when we were building it and also has been an amazing colleague to me if I ever have New York State referrals. She's fantastic. She's been the head of the family law section of the New York State Bar, and she knows Judge Sunshine, has spoken to him about this whole methodology, how we are making better next chapters as opposed to you know, horrible, you know, scorched earth policy, family mm-hmm. plans. Um, mm-hmm. He has a great reputation. It's, it's so interesting to me that you clerked for him. So before you did, did you think that you were going to be a family law attorney? Laura, I'm so happy you asked me that question. It's so funny. And I did. I actually just had lunch with um, Judge Sunshine last week, and he is doing such amazing things in the state of New York. I just want to add that for mediation and for bringing things forward in a way that they really hadn't moved until he really got very involved. So it's very exciting. Um, 
So I, having grown up with divorced parents, that's about the last thing that I ever thought I wanted to do or be. And um, I actually took family law past fail in law school. I took like corporate finance and everything for a grade, but like I picked family law as as the one pass fail class. And um, when I began, when I got this job for Judge Sunshine, which sounded interesting, I, I just couldn't, I was blown away by how gratifying I found it and how much I loved really digging in and getting people to the yes of and, and getting them to move forward in a very um, intense um, experience. Because during the time when I worked for him, Laura, we were um, the only judge who was full-time in the entire county of Staten Island, Richmond County. Mm-hmm. So he and I had such an insanely full docket, and we just had to resolve as many cases as we could as elegantly and succinctly as possible, um, because people, you know, you can't make people settle things. They have to actually feel at one with whatever they do. And so that's how I began Got it. So you use the word elegant. Um, You use it quite a few times in your book and you used it just now. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm sure you know, I'm sure you've done this with purpose. I I absolutely have. So what elegant, you know, we think of elegance as, you know, in terms of fashion or in terms of how one holds oneself. I think of Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, I also do, or Coco Chanel. Like it's, it's more about internal and external alignment. So like, you know, if we look great on the outside, but we feel a mess on the inside, things are going to break down at some juncture when you're dealing with conflict and adversity or when things aren't going your way, not only within the divorce, but then while you're going through and beyond the process, if you don't align yourself in a graceful manner, um, we're short-circuiting our ability to be graceful and easeful. And for me, that's what elegance means. Got it. All right. Tell us a little bit about Elena, because as I'm sure you can imagine, I've read many, many books and how-tos and do your, do it yourselves. This one, what struck me was, I mean, in addition to the really, really positive message, and we'll get back to that in a minute, but the kind of the breathing, the meditation, the presence, I think a lot of that comes from your work with Elena. Tell us about how you, that, that synergy began. So Elena and I actually were friends in college. Um, we lived together. In Where'd college. you go to college? We went to Cornell. Okay. Cornell University, and I wanted to write this book. I had this very clear vision of of spreading this word, and I knew that she was a yoga teacher, and I I honestly didn't even know that she had been divorced, and I reached out to her on social media, thank God for social media, and I said, hey, you know, I, and I explained the whole project, and she said that's really funny because, you know, she and, and her um, ex were actually working very diligently to create this sort of mindful environment for their child and for their own internal narrative, if you will. And so it it just, it went from there and we worked together and um, yeah, we created this and it's so gratifying and amazing to find very easily find this synergy with the first yoga person who came to mind was really the right one. All right. So now tell us a little bit about, so, so the book, I mean, it's what it says, a better, better apart, which is, you know, kind of what we have. uh, One of the slogans for it's over easy is, and they lived happily ever after apart or separately. Yeah, Um, exactly. And it's it's exactly right. Totally possible. We know it. We know it's best for kids. I have a similar, you know, growing up experience in that my parents had a very amicable divorce. They did it in the most positive and respectful way. And, you know, 
so I know it's possible to practice what I preach, and I've I've done it myself with the with the fathers of my two sons, and that's why I really believed that it was important to get the messages that you and I and other like minded people are getting out there. Tell us a little bit about your coaching business. Yeah, so people who want a bit more, they I take them through the five elements, but what we do on a one-to-one basis is we do what I call a life scrub. I really like the spa model because I uh-huh. really enjoy spa experiences. And so we dig in and we figure out which of those five elements, if one really um, peaks up for somebody, and we go even deeper into that. So, for instance, for me, I'm like one of the least patient humans that you'll ever come in contact with. So patience for me is something that I, I've had to really work on and develop a lot of mantras and a lot of breathing and make a lot of space for myself, for my mind, so that I'm responsive and not reactive. And so when I work with people, we do a lot of deep listening onto what's going on for them underneath and when we can start taking ownership and shift blame to a re-narration of where we've been contributing in some way to our own negative cycle, not blaming yourself for what happened within your demised relationship, but just seeing, okay, what's my piece here and where do I go from here? And it's been really amazingly gratifying. It's it's such a nice shift um, because it's such positive work. Mm-hmm. Um, and having been a divorce attorney in the court environment for over 20 years, this has been like just a very welcome change for me. Now, you said mm-hmm. earlier, thank God for social media, and I agree, but I do note that in your book, you speak about how when you are going through your divorce, you may want to take a break from social media. You give some really, really good pointers for if you don't need to be online for, for some kind of a work thing, maybe take a little bit of a break, and also how not only posting can be problematic, but how you know scrolling, so to speak, can Absolutely. be very problematic. And and then you even give some good advice about waiting before sending emails or text messaging because, you know, sometimes the tone doesn't necessarily come across or even worse, sometimes the tone comes across too much. Tell our listeners a little bit about some of the wisdom of your experience professionally there. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, you very succinctly encapsulated much of what we say in the book, but Further, even posting pictures or allowing your friends, you know, your close circle of friends, you might want to say to them, please don't post about me right now, because what happens is we feed the fire because the stories that we make up are often more interesting than what's really happening. So, for instance, let's say you post a picture, you know, just you and your friends out last night and somebody writes, what a fabulous night or great time or looked so gorgeous or whatever. Or even worse, and you, then- you looked so hot, you must have gotten laid. Exactly. <laughs> so, Sorry, Joey so Fatone then, was just in the studio. I think he left some of his residual. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last so, time I said the word laid, Johnny? <laughs> you must have gotten laid. Like, <laughs> right, and so then your ex sees it, and then like that financial settlement that you were just able to finesse comes off the table, okay? Right. Because now the person's pissed because guess what? They're depressed, or they, they're telling themselves a story. You might still be kind of miserable a lot of the time. Maybe you just had a good night out. Right. You still feel like garbage, but... It, the story that is told and then spun can blow out of control and it can really make your life more complicated than it needs to be. Now, you, you raised another very interesting point, which is about the um, 
sending of responses and letters. In this day and age of immediacy, where we all, we're all so accustomed to instant gratification, it's even more difficult than it was when I started to practice law, divorce law, to tell people, like, don't send that reply right away. Like, sit on it. Because oftentimes... Our first reactions of things are not really well thought out. We haven't really fully processed. We're in fight or flight or highly um, triggered mode. And when time elapses and we have some space to reflect on whatever it is that's going on, maybe you don't need to say that extra thing, or maybe you could chop off the last three sentences of the email. You know, like that zinger can come off after you sleep on it. Right. Totally agree. Or you can just make it a, a more zingy. I'm just kidding. One of, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> one of the thing, one of the uh, my favorite lines in your book comes from the um, the chapter about respect, and it's the legal wisdom section. And it says, "My father taught me this lesson when I was ten. Not too long after he and my mother divorced, I felt sad and angry, and I remember saying, I 'I don't respect you.' He bent down, looked me squarely in the eyes, and firmly told me, "'You don't have to respect me, but you have to be respectful to me.'" And I love that. And I think that totally works also in a divorce or separating kind of context for your spouse. Because I say so often to people, you know, you may not like him, respect her, whatever it is, but you do need to be respectful of him or her. One, it's a really, really good example that you're sending to your kids, but it's also kind of a fake it till you make it. Okay. You don't, you have to be respectful during this process. This is a business transaction. Like you said, if you're flaunting things on social media, if you're acting like an asshole, you're not going to effectuate the best possible settlement either financially or just in terms of co-parenting. And I just, I really love that line because it really brought it home for me. And I thought it was great on that note, talking a little bit about divorce and children, Tell us some of the most important keys that you give your readers to consider when fashioning a parenting plan. Absolutely. Thank you. So the first thing to remember is um, everybody has different needs. Every family has different needs, okay? And even when you take into account your needs, your ex's needs, and your child's needs, there is no one perfect parenting plan. And so you should really think very carefully about your schedules and your temperaments and listen to what your professionals have to say, but at the same time, trust your intuition and pay attention to the dynamic between you and your spouse and what your child's strengths and weaknesses are. You know, you don't want to have a parenting plan that's going to make things harder for your kid, but just because your next door neighbor does one plan, that doesn't mean that that's the right thing for you. Um, A lot of people spend a lot of time worrying about what's going to be next year. And when it comes to children in most states, probably across the country, anything in your in your divorce agreement, many things are final when it comes to asset division. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to children, things are mutable. You can change them because children change. Mm -hmm. We're always thinking about the best interest of the of the child. So we need to fashion a plan based on today. Um, you know, for the foreseeable future, obviously, like I can remember people um, coming to court, coming in for a substantial change of circumstance when the kid went to kindergarten. Well, that's not really unforeseeable, right? <laughs> right? Like when he was four, you know, he was going to kindergarten in a year and a half or whatever. So, you know, but you don't need to worry about, well, what about if his girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. like when that happens, worry about that then. Right. Make sure that your plan is specific and predictable. Right. So your child knows where they're going. Their teachers know where they're going. You know where they're going. And to the extent that you're able to, it's really 
great if you can be um, as consistent as possible Mm -hmm. in terms of rules between the two houses. I know we have kind of a variety of different rules and pointers here in California. In New York State, how much weight are the children's preferences given, if any? And at what age does that kind of start to kick in? So in New, both in New York and in Massachusetts, um, where I also practice, um, you know, the children's desires start to increase as they become teenagers, but it really varies, especially in New York, which is such a big state, downstate and upstate are mm-hmm. quite different in the way they administer the law. But I would say, typically, if you have a very level-headed, articulate 15-year-old or 13-year-old, it just depends on the, your, the kid's profile. There is not really a black and white answer. What I would tell any of the listeners is you should really speak to local counsel and see what the judges in your area are doing and, um, you know, and go with that. Listen to your kids, but, but, you know, often the judge doesn't necessarily give what the kid wants as much weight as you may think. Right. Or as the kids may think. (laughs) Or the kids may think, right. And and that's why if if you can do these things in, in, you know, through It's Over Easy or through another mediation sort of platform um, and you can actually come up with an agreement, that's always the best thing. I used to tell people when they um, would come before me when I worked for the judge, like, you're not going to feel like you won. Like a good resolution is where you both feel like not totally screwed over, right? Like you feel like, eh. Or as we say today, meh, meh, right? Right. Like meh, that's good enough because that's really all you're going to get, you know? Right. In Chapter 9 of your book, you actually say creating your perfect custody parenting plan. Tell us, if you can, just kind of succinctly what the eight considerations are that you list there. Because I, I like oh. lists. I like, you know, being able to kind of check into things and then check them off. Tell us about them. If you've got it with you. If not, I'll do it because it's, it's yeah, a good no, one. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I kind of, I think I sort of just answered that in your right. last question, Laura, to be honest, but I will go over them like one by one. Right. That's what Johnny's um, asking for. He obviously did not feel that we had covered it enough in our normal right, Johnny, flow. He really one. wants it listed. <laughs> okay, here we go. Number one, there is no pe- perfect parenting plan. Number two, listen to the professionals, but trust your intuition. Number three, create a plan based on today, not tomorrow. Number four, make sure that the plan is specific and predictable. Number five, be clear on one set of rules and boundaries for both households. Number six, consider the distance between your homes. Number seven, take everyone's personalities into account with regard to daily planning. And number eight, consider the reality of your schedules and commitments. Okay, I know we're going to get asked about this one because I get asked about this one all the time. I bet you do as well. Number five, be clear on one set of rules and boundaries for both households. I wrote an article that sits next to your article on the blog. Mine's called mm-hmm. Co-Parenting with an Asshole. What do you do, <laughs> and, and of course this happens to many, when you cannot get on the same page with rules and boundaries, when, when the kids are at your ex's, they do not go to sleep on time. They do not do their homework. They do not brush their teeth. They're able to use devices when at your house they're not. What do you do about that? I mean, you really can try to get on yeah. the same page, but how do you, you advise clients and, and, and I don't, do you call them clients when you are, are divorce coaching? How do you advise them with yeah. regard to doing the best job they can do in their own home? Yeah, so, it, so it's the same thing that, you know, that we've been told 
since we're little kids probably, which is to choose your battles, right? So, like, the best thing that you can really do is be clear and consistent in your own space. But at the same time, if your kids are coming over and, you know, they're overtired or they're just obnoxious, you know, these are reasons that sometimes people get a change of custody, right? I right. mean, it depends on what, where the line is, like how bad is bad? Because, you know, some of the hardest cases are where the kid is actually happier at the other parent's house because they're not enforcing any rules. Totally, right? then, yes. You know, and, and those cases are, I mean, you can speak to that very well, obviously, as well. Those cases are extraordinarily difficult, especially if the kid is doing well in school, even though they're up all night. You know, if you have a kid who is not doing well in school and then you can pin it to, well, that's because at their house they're watching, you know, screen and they're they're on Instagram all night or whatever. Well, that, that's like an easy easier case. Right. But what about the kid who who is, you know, just not going to bed at the same time? So you, have, you really have to weigh things out and see whether it's an argument worth pursuing or if you just have to get clear on, you know, I don't agree with the way your other parent does things, but when you're at my house, this is the way it is. And, and that's that. And it's not easy to do, um, but none of this is easy. No, agree. Except for if they go through, it's over easy. Then it's very easy. Then it's so easy. Um, <laughs> that's the process. I mean, <laughs> the over easy thing. I mean, the paperwork is going to be easy, but but the emotional piece, it's going to take work. And my book is really, really geared um, for people who are dealing with very difficult exes because it's really all about your personal growth. It's not about, you know, unicorns and rainbows and can't we all get along? Because you know what? Unfortunately, no, we, we can't all get along. I mean, a lot of people can, but right. many of us, unfortunately, are left dealing with impossible exes. Yes, totally agree. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. Mother's Day is just around the corner. Jen and I always talk about throwing a pair of hoops. By the way, mine are from Claire's from forever ago still. They're like broading, but they were. They're really cute. <laughs> Now's the perfect time to check out Mama Said with Jamie Lynn Sigler and Jenna Paris on Podcast One. Brought to you by the Lady Gang Network. If he does something negative, like shove his brother or call the nanny stupid, mm-hmm. which he did yesterday, we take him away. Download new episodes of Mama Said every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Divorce, never a happy episode, can today be a better process resulting in a better outcome than at any time in history. Today on Divorce Sucks, you're getting insight and expert perspective from two divorce attorneys, my guest, author and attorney, Gabrielle Hartley, and me, Laura Wasser. Gabrielle is the co-author of the new book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. We're speaking today about moving through the divorce process mindfully and respectfully, which I know firsthand from thousands of divorces I've done, this is not as easy to do as it is to say or to write. So being able, listeners, to hear what Gabrielle has to say and definitely go on and buy her book, A Better Apart. But in the meantime, while you're listening, tell us, Gabrielle, in your book, Better Apart, you focus on forgiveness. How does Mm. that impact? the way someone navigates his or her own divorce. Okay, so when something bad happens to us or we fall, or, or we feel that we caused something bad, we can be very either angry at the other person or angry at ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so anger is a strong protective measure that we have so that we can cope when things are extraordinarily upsetting. But 
over time, anger doesn't really serve us, right? Forgiving serves us. The reason we want to forgive others and ourselves is because it frees us emotionally, and compassion is the portal to, to our own ability to move move forward positively. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this quote that I just absolutely love um, of unknown origin. I tried to find who first said it, but it is holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> I like that. I love that. Isn't that like so true? Yes. How many times are we so angry? And then the other person is just like fine, right? Yes. And so, um, you know, I had an experience with a very good girlfriend who did something that I it was like, she treated me not so nicely. And mm-hmm. I, um, on Yom Kippur every year, you know, you're supposed to go around and apologize to people and like cleanse yourself if, you know, you're Jewish. Mm-hmm. And um, If you're not Jewish, so, you don't have to apologize to anyone you don't ever. Have to so. So, so I, for like, I, it's a little embarrassing to admit, but I would, I was really stuck on this um, because this person is part of a larger social group and Mm -hmm. whatever really, really was eating away at me. And one year I was like, how am I going to overcome this? And I decided to forgive myself for still holding on to it and to forgive her for not being able to apologize. And I know it sounds like really woo-woo, but it really moved something in me energetically to just make that decision. And um, we're totally friends again. I mean, like that thing happens, and I understand that it's like not within her fabric to be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? Like right. not everybody's like that, and I'm right. all built differently. And, um, and, and that's where like the clarity piece comes in, which is like recognizing that we all have different strengths and weaknesses. So once we can get clear on what's happening, then we can, we can forgive more easily because so much of what comes at us has nothing to do with us at all. Right, right. Um, you know, wait, I just want to interrupt and just go back to one other little point I want to make about parenting, if that's okay. Sure. Um, which is... At least in New York and in Massachusetts, where I practice, you hear so many people talking about, we don't want so many transitions between the houses, right? I don't know if you, do you hear about that yes, in California. Yes, absolutely, yes. And like, so I could not disagree more. I think the problem, unless you have a kid who really struggles from disorganization, although I'd say chaos can be organized if it's on a easy, you know, a steady flow. You've obviously problem, been at my house around dinner time. yes. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is not the... Um, transition it's the conflict yes conflict is what causes the problems not transitions okay i just really needed to say that so if you have a plan if a listener has a plan that involves the kids you know eight times a week doing different things having dinner or breakfast with different parents like if you're not fighting and it's smooth that's totally cool like that's what it would be like if you're an intact family right right absolutely i i I agree Talk a little bit, if you will, about the, the yoga component of this, the physical component of the, the breathing and the peacefulness and how that really can serve someone going through this. Because I found that really interesting and I had not approached it that way before, but I love that you were able to incorporate that. Yeah. So, um, so what the yoga piece is, there's a few levels. There's like the physical level, which the physical positions actually allow you to concentrate on your breath, 
right? Because you're concentrating on staying in the position. And when you're concentrating on your breath, which is like the deep belly breathing Mm -hmm. for a count of, you know, say four in and four out for a number of minutes, it slows down your mind. It slows down your body. It makes space and it allows you to become more patient, right? Okay. And it allows you to, um, it allows you to make decisions that are better. But the other element is the mantras or the affirmations. And I love the whole concept of practicing daily, whatever affirmation works for you. So for me, um, I can be, in case you can't tell, like kind of high, strong and hyper, right? So I tell myself, I am radiantly calm, okay? Uh There's my little secret mantra. I am radiantly calm, right? Which, of course, I'm not by natural, you know, my natural inclination. And so if I'm doing a yoga practice and the whole time for an hour and a half, I'm breathing and I'm radiantly calm and breathing out slowly through my nose for an hour and a half, then when something happens, and I'm feeling triggered or upset in some way, it's so easy for me to activate that mantra because I said it for an hour and a half. Now, let's say you're not the type to practice yoga, but you're just going to say, I'm radiantly calm. Maybe you wake up and you tell yourself whatever it is, you know, abundance flows through me. So you feel really stuck, you know, um, fluidity is within me or, you know, something, whatever speaks to you, whatever your issue is. And then, you say that to yourself five times in the morning. Then you, you know, you set a time. Maybe it's lunchtime. You're going to say it to yourself, and before you go to sleep, you're going to say it to yourself. And you make that a habit mm-hmm. because when we do something regularly, right, right. Even when we're not feeling upset, then when we are upset, it's so easy to activate because it's an automatic response. Got Whereas it. if you if you're just going to say, oh, you know, I'm radiantly calm just when you're upset, you're just not going to even be able to think about that because you're going to be so emotionally flooded. You're going to be radiantly pissed. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. 100%. All right. At the core, the most important thing in any relationship is honesty. Gabrielle, these are the divorce sucks interrogatories. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I promise. So help me God. <laughs> okay, good. So I think we know the answer to this one, but let's elaborate. Are you married, divorced, or single? I am married. First marriage? First marriage. How many kids? Three. Three kids. Ages? Three boys. Oh, my goodness. 14, 12, and 7. Shoot me now. Nice. I love them. Oh, and by the way, I'm backing up from the interrogatories. This is another question I have. Why are you on the Massachusetts Board of Mediation as opposed to New York State? You know, I need to join New York State also. It's just I've been here. I I have a lot to do, Laura. (laughs) You guys are living in Massachusetts now? I live in Western Mass. I okay. live in Massachusetts, and I go to New York every other week to see clients. And I'm I'm actually speaking at the New York Mediation um, Academy conference later this spring. So I'm yeah. I Got mean, it. Okay, now I have another question about that, and we'll get back to the interrogatories. I know Johnny's like breaking out on a rash right now, but just relax, Johnny. Um, So I spoke to a group of people up in San Francisco last week, other family law practitioners, and it is our kind of takeaway from what's happened over the past two years with collaborative law, which I know you mentioned in your book, and mediation, that the West Coast, and in particular California, is much more mediation-oriented than the East Coast specifically, mm-hmm. and we can speak to New York and Massachusetts. I am mm-hmm. definitely seeing, I have seen in the past 12 to 16 months, that there really has been a change, and I'm so thrilled about that. But do you agree with that as somebody that is that's oh, representing so I, the I East Coast? To the West, I can't talk to the West Coast, but I will tell you that, like, I've been talking about collaborative law and mediation 
since I work for the judge and the same, you know, judge and staff who kind of like rolled their eyes at me, they're now bringing it forward. Got so it. Okay. I think that, yes, you're 100% accurate. They're catching up, but we are much slower. And I'm actually finding in terms of social media, my engagement is very largely West Coast, mm-hmm. actually. It, yeah. it is at and Australia. Yes. And in fact, the county that I work in, in Massachusetts, Hampshire County, brought in a pilot program called the Frisk Program, which is a less aggressive family law model that is utilized in Australia. Yes. Australia, Canada, also huge, rebuilding mm-hmm. their system, particularly the province of Alberta. And and also I'm seeing the UK. There's definitely yeah. changes. Although, although the UK uh, mediation is much more foreign, yes. um, just in terms of one, once they're in the court system. Because, um, yeah, it, it, social media is really making the world a lot smaller. So I think, I'm hoping that, you know, within the next generation, it's going to be sort of a global, kinder community around these things. I, I hope so as well. All right. All right, back to the interrogatories. What okay. is your favorite breakup song? Love that question. Yeah, okay, don't laugh. Ready? Okay. Must have been love, but it's over now. Oh, and, and sung and, and as then- well. Well yeah, done. It, and, and my favorite part is, it's how the water flows. It's how the wind blows. <laughs> I try not to burst it out in that song during a During sessions. Time. I think Maybe that's Maybe edit probably, that out. Yes. But it, it does come to my mind. Oh, we're not editing that out. That was very important. That's a very important piece of this, of this podcast. Um, uh, what would you say to cheer up a friend going through a breakup? Well, I mean... That's a really hard one, Laura. Like, uh, what I would do for a friend is be there mm-hmm. and listen, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, because I really don't think we can band-aid these things. I would let my friend know how much, how many wonderful qualities they have and help them reconnect with themselves. I would probably, I mean, I've done this for friends, you know, send them away to a spa for a night and be there for them and just, or take them away somewhere where you know you're going to feel good with them. But I, but telling people things when they're first breaking up doesn't usually necessarily help them. Um, it's better to just listen. I like that. No. And listeners, you'll note, Gabrielle, big on the spa activity. Just so, yeah. If anybody's thinking about what kind of a gift certificate she needs, think about the whatever spas, an elegant spa. Yes. That's right. All right. And finally, that's which... next thing, divorce retreats. That's, I think that's a good idea. Which rom-com um, or romantic comedy could you watch on repeat, Gabrielle? Um, so, you know, that's a funny question. Um, I'm going to say, because this is actually true, but I don't know if you call it a rom-com, is Legally Blonde. I really connected with her when it first came out, and mm-hmm. I still absolutely love it. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to have to go with Legally Blonde. Go, Reese. And I think part of it is she learns to really believe in herself. Right. And um, I don't know, it really spoke to me. When I, when, when I was in um, high school and I first got into Cornell, my high school boyfriend was like this super, super smart guy. And, um, you know, I was obviously very smart also, but he was like smart and I was like more, you know, friendly or whatever, you know. Right. And, and, you were um, a soch, right? Exactly. Yeah. And when we got our letters of acceptance and he was like, oh, I got into Cornell. And I said, so did I. He said, get out of here. And I felt like, like it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For those of you who are divorcing parents, here's one central fact of your life going forward. Through your children, you are inexorably bonded to the spouse you're splitting from. Apart or together, you both have the responsibility, as well as the right, to ride the ebbs and flows of the parent-child relationship. So until your kids reach legal majority, you and your ex will need to deal with each other in some way, shape, or form on every issue affecting them. 
them. Their schooling, where and when they spend vacations, why, when, and how they're disciplined, when they get their driver's license, their health, if and when they're going to college and how it's paid for, where and with whom they spend spring break, and all relevant other holidays year after year after year. Whether you're a co-parent or a divorcing spouse without children, there are resources that can help you navigate your dissolution and the days to come. Our guest today is Gabrielle Hartley, the New York matrimonial law expert and co-author of the new book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. Gabrielle, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Audience, you can win an autographed copy of Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate by following us at It's Over Easy and telling us why you need to read this. Gabrielle, please tell people where we can find you online. So I am on Instagram at Gabrielle L. Hartley on Twitter at Elegant, Elegant Divorce, and online, um, Gabrielle Hartley, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E-H-A-R-T-L-E-Y.com, and um, you can learn more about my services and purchase the book right through that website. And fantastic, and it really is great, guys. Um, potent and accessible tools for your family and your future, that says our friend Gwyneth Paltrow, and if Gwyneth likes it, we know you're going to like it. Thank you all so much for listening today. If you or someone you know is contemplating divorce, we want you to know that patience and mindfulness are tools you can leverage to make the process suck just a little bit less. I'm Laura Wasser, the host of the Divorce Sucks podcast, and we'll be back next Monday. Let's speak then. Thanks, Gabrielle. Thank you.